Advent sacred. We need to keep these things um, sacred. Because, see, we operate with these two calendars. We have our everyday Gregorian calendar that we fill with all our different um, holidays and celebrations throughout the year, the, the calendar that we operate our everyday world in. But we also have the Christian car- uh, calendar, also known as the liturgical calendar. And um, this calendar starts at Advent and it runs through to Easter and then um, we've got Ascension Day and Pentecost. And the Christian calendar is a reminder of the great acts that God has done in redeeming His people and loving His people and freeing His people. And that is why we need to keep the Christian calendar in the centre, sacred, Christmas, however, is now on both calendars. We have it in the Gregorian calendar and we have it in the Christian calendar. But how we approach Christmas is different. Um, In our world, there's this rush to Christmas, isn't there? There's the rush to get the right Christmas tree to make it look all good, to have the right theme running through. There's the rush to get the right Christmas presents. And um, for some people, it means being in car parks for over two hours. Did you see that in Auckland? That they've been stuck in car parks, just trying to get a good bargain in the sales um, that lead up to Christmas. There's um, a rush with all the different events that are happening at this time of year with work events and Christmas plays and, and, and things like that. And that's not altogether bad. It's actually quite a nice time of year. I, I enjoy this time of year, but that can't be our sole focus. We must not get caught up in the rush and the busyness that it unsettles us or that it... Um, that we lose our focus. Because the true Advent season is about finding rest. And it's about finding moments of stillness, learning to embrace the slowness and the patience because that's actually good for us. It's good for us to learn to embrace patience and slowness and stillness. The true Advent season is the anticipation of Christ for which requires stillness in order to have an awareness of what is happening around us. And that requires patience. We're going to read from Micah 5 today. Micah 5, um, verse, starting at verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, who are one of the little clans of Judah, From you shall come forth for me, one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is of old from ancient days. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labour has brought forth. Then the rest of his kindred shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall live secure For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be the one of peace. The prophet Micah was a contemporary of um, Isaiah of Jerusalem, and he prophesied this 700 years before Christ's arrival. And Micah is best known to us as the one who foretold um, Messiah being born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem was a very small and insignificant town, a little village, but this is in keeping with the ways of God. The work of God often emerges from quiet obscurity, right? 
Micah knows where the Messiah will be born, but he does not know when. He does not know that it will be over 700 years before this prophecy is fulfilled. It's amazing, isn't it? 700 years, long patience, anticipation, waiting for an awakening. But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, who are one of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is, of, is from of old, from ancient days, Bethlehem of Ephrathah. Bethlehem first appears in the Bible um, as, the, as the place where Rachel, Jacob's wife, dies. And her tomb is still just on the outside of Bethlehem today, situated in the West Bank. Bethlehem is the place of sorrow and a place of loss. But it is also the tiny village where King David was born, a place of birth, a place of hope. And Micah says that this king will not be a king who clings to power as people were used to seeing. But this king, um, he wouldn't be greedy and he wouldn't be power hungry, again, as the people were used to seeing in that time. But this king, Micah says, will be different and he will be a shepherd and he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall live secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be one of peace. A king who brings peace. A king who is peace. This king would be completely different to any other king ever seen before. And he would bring about this revolution in the world, but a revolution that had never been seen before because it is a revolution of peace. Not of war, but of peace. A true shepherd whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. This king, Micah tells, would be one from ancient of days. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. See, the Word that was there at the beginning of the time is now the Word that is entering into the world, becoming flesh. So let's carry on with the Christmas story um, found in Luke chapter 1. And it tells of... Um, the angel appearing to Mary. Luke chapter one, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Both Jacob and David mentioned there. Interesting. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. 
The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have her child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So here was Mary, this young, young woman betrothed to Joseph, and she finds herself now pregnant um, and and ready to to, um, give birth. We've just read how the angel Gabriel appeared to her, but the angel appears also to Joseph, and he says, fear not, take Mary to be your wife. She's pregnant and she's going to have a boy, and you're going to call him Yeshua. You're going to call him Jesus, the God who saves. Meanwhile, Caesar Augustus, acting out of his own free will, decides that there needs to be a census for the whole Roman Empire. And so everyone needed to go back to their own towns for this. And in fulfilling the prophecy, Joseph and Mary went to Bethlehem as he belonged to the line of David. Back to Bethlehem back to the place of Rachel's death, back to the place of sorrow, back to Bethlehem, back to the place of David's birth, a place of provision and promise. Before uh, this village of Bethlehem was known as Bethlehem or Bethlehem, which means house of bread, before it was known as that, it was identified as Ephrathah, as we've read in Micah, which means ash heap. See, Jesus wasn't born in this romantic, snowy winter wonderland. He was born in an ash heap. (laughs) He was born in a stable and he was laid, we say in a manger, he was laid in a feeding trough. (laughs) In a town that was under the oppression of a Roman emperor. He came to earth not as a powerful king, but as a humble baby born in a town of hope and fears, a town of ash heaps and a town that is the house of bread, the ash heap of sorrow and loss that became the place where the bread of life is born, a town that became the target of the wise men, but also became the target of Herod, a town that the Prince of Peace was born into, yet a town that has been and currently is ravished by war. Bethlehem, Bethlehem, is where peace and beauty collide with painful reality. It's both and peace and beauty collide with painful reality. Jesus came into this world because it needed saving. Not because it was okay. He came into this world because it needed saving, because of the sorrow, because of the ash heaps in our life, because of war and hate and evil, because we were estranged from our Father. And He came as a humble baby who grew to serve, the Prince of Peace, the Shepherd. He came not to condemn the world, but to save the world. He came for you and He came for me. He came not because we were okay, but because we needed saving. 
He comes not because we're okay, but He comes today because we need Him. He comes to the worn, torn places of our soul and He brings peace and He brings beauty. He comes to our Bethlehem where peace and beauty collide with our painful reality. He is our shepherd who leads us and who guides us. And Micah's prophecy is still being fulfilled as we continue to learn to follow our great shepherd. Advent is a very sacred time where we need to learn to be expectant. We need to be expectant that the Word of God is going to enter our world in the saving way. You know, you may have been waiting a long time. You may be in a season of waiting. And it's difficult when we, know, when we don't know what the due date is going to be, the end of our waiting season. You know, when I was pregnant with Nate, my first boy, my first child, I, didn't, I knew that pregnancy was roughly about 40 weeks. But, you know, everyone says from 37 weeks onwards, you could have a baby. And my sister, she had, had both her children um, at around 36, 37 weeks. So that's what I was kind of, okay, we're at 37 weeks now. Here we go. And um, we hit 37 weeks. That came and went. Maybe eight, 38 weeks. That came and went. 39 weeks, Sean's parents arrived from Australia. We told them not to come until after the baby was born, but they booked their tickets because they were excited for their first grandbaby as well. They booked their tickets. They came in the 39th week. That came and went. 40 weeks, all right, here we go. We're on time, here's my due date. And that came and went as well. And Sean's parents ended up in the 41st week having to fly back to Australia um, with no baby in the world. <laughs> 42 weeks <laughs> and we got induced. But that anticipation, every moment you think, could it be today? And then you wake up and you're like, nope, there's still a baby down there. <laughs> You don't know when your season of waiting is going to end. And um, I mean, pregnancy is just one example, but when it's been a long season of hard journeying through life, um, maybe you've had a word given to you or a prophecy given to you years and years ago, and you still don't, you haven't seen that come to fruition. That can be a really difficult time of waiting. Our season of waiting, but you need to hold on to hope. Mary, she held on to hope as she waited expectantly for the word that she was carrying to enter the world. Let's read her song found in Luke 1 verse 46. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arms. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. 
She held on to hope as she was carrying the word in flesh that was about to enter the world. Can I encourage you in this sacred season of Advent to, um, to hold on to hope? Hold on to hope in this season of waiting. Be patient. Allow that stillness to come. Allow that rest to be. And I encourage you as I too wait, wait in your loneliness. God's mercy will be there for you. Wait in your lack, in your weakness. God's strength is perfect. When you are feeling that there is no hope or perhaps you're feeling nothing, God is a God of hope and He restores and He renews and He brings new birth and He gives fresh revelation. Pay attention to where God is working in your life. He is at work but we need to be still and we need a rest in order to sense where He is working. Draw near to Him, be hungry. Spend time with Him in prayer, in contemplation, in creation, in the Word. Desire more of Him and more from Him. He is the fountain of living water that quenches your thirst for all of eternity. In this season of Advent, Advent, find where you are broken. Find where you are broken, where you are undone, and don't hide from it. Wait in it. Wait for God to meet you there. Where there is pain and loss, sit there. God will come and He will lift you up. Be patient. The next open door is not always from God. The enemy can also open doors. Try not to live your life by walking through the next open door or the next opportunity. Trying to get out of the season of waiting. We go, oh, there's an opportunity. I'm just going to go for it. Wait on God. We become so eager to get out of the season of waiting that we look for the next open door and we exit the fire, not realising that it was the fire that was solidifying something in us, that was preparing us, that was moulding us, that was shaping us for our next season. And by uh, by exiting the fire early, we're actually walking into something that we're not prepared for. Vision from God really requires immediate action. It always requires patience. Micah received this prophecy 700 years before Jesus came. In the season of Advent, I want to remind and encourage you that you are not overlooked. You are, you are seen and He came for you. So we're going to enter into a time of communion now and... Um, Let's remind ourselves that Jesus, who was born into the house of bread, into Bethlehem, Bethlehem, He is our bread of life. And we draw near to Him. We enter this time of communion and we listen to His words as He took the bread and He broke it and He blessed it and He said, this is my body, take, eat. And of the cup, He said, This is the blood of the new covenant, which was shed for many. You know, as we um, come forward and as we take communion, 
wherever you want to have it, if you want to be overlooking out the windows or you want to go back to your own seat, I pray that you will experience the power of the cross again, the power of Jesus' love for you. And may you know that he came for you and he comes for you again today. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful season of Advent. And Lord, in the midst of everything that is happening in the world around us with um, the rush up to Christmas, Father, I pray that we would be reminded to breathe, to breathe you in and to rest in the stillness and the patience of waiting. As we anticipate uh, the birth of your Saviour, but we also anticipate his arrival again. Lord, in our seasons of waiting, would you remind us to be still? Would you remind us to draw near to you, to experience you in a fresh way? Lord, as we take communion, would you bless these elements? Bless the bread and bless the juice, Father, that as we take them, you would allow us to experience again your love for us that took you to the cross. We pray for our families. Um, we pray for our friends. We pray for this community, Lord, in the season of Advent. Would the true meaning of Advent, would, the, would that just be so central and sacred and in the focus of what we do and why we do it? We thank you, Lord, for coming to this earth. We thank you that the Word became flesh, that you came for us and that you continue to keep coming to us today. Bless us, bless our families, bless our friends, bless this community, Jesus. Amen. So why don't you stand and as um, Ash and the team worship, let's um, just come forward and grab your communion and take it to wherever you want. Um, and, then, and then we will finish the service with a cup of tea and um, biscuit. <laughs>